0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. Just because you have the right to do something does not always mean you should do it if it causes someone in their understanding of God to stumble. You see, everything we do should be for the purpose of advancing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Again, what is the gospel message? The gospel message is Jesus Christ came to this earth. He left heaven. He came to this earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived a human life, but he lived a sinless life. And he was sacrificed for your sins and mine so that we could be one with God again if we simply accept him into our lives as our Savior and Lord. And then he will return and he will bring us back to him one day where we will Reign eternally with him and his father. That is the gospel message. And this is the prize that our church must be focused on. Even if it means giving up some of our rights. Our love for our brothers and sisters and desire for unity should be a factor into those choices. But you see, Paul continues his teaching as we go through the book of First Corinthians he continues his teaching on the fact of giving up our rights in order to take the gospel message of Christ to those who are struggling. You see, last week, Paul addressed those who were confused over eating meat that was being sacrificed in the pagan temples. The, the Christians were divided by that and wanted him to tell them what was wrong and what is right. And this morning, chapter 9, Paul addresses the issue, same concept but yet, a different topic is that he addresses whether it is right or not for a Christian to receive financial support for their ministry. This leads to a discussion of the larger question of how believers should use their freedom as believers. So, this is not a stewardship message. I, uh, they're the. The leadership team is not reevaluating my salary. That's not why we're talking about this today. Well, the reason we're talking about this today is because this is where it falls as we have been walking through 1 Corinthians. And the church was divided not on supporting those that work in the church, but specifically sponsoring Paul and Barnabas. Well, let's go ahead and just jump into our scripture today. First of all, we see that Paul establishes his right as an apostle. Paul establishes his rights as an apostle. It says in chapter 9, starting with verse 1, he says, Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with mine own eyes? Which is the definition of an apostle. Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostles. This is my answer to those who question my authority. So that lets us know that there were some people that were saying, What gives Paul the right to say these things? What gives Paul the right to expect us to support him? But he says, This is my answer to those who question my authority. Verse four, don't we have the right to live in our home, in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as the other apostles do and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work To support ourselves. In other words, he's saying, we have a right to all the things you're giving to these other people that are working in the church. But why is it that y'all are struggling and denying to give anything to us? That's what he's saying. So Paul is stating his authority. And then also when he says, am I not apostle? Paul was under no one's authority except Jesus to bring the message as he preached Last week, and he told them that, you know, you need to help. If there is something that you're doing that causes someone who is weaker in their understanding of the gospel, then don't do that because you don't want them to stumble. And he was telling them, and even before that, he was telling them not to be divided. He was telling them to be sexually moral. He was telling all of these things. And so people started giving him a little pushback of saying, who do you think you are telling us what you're doing? He's saying, look. You're not my boss. Only Jesus himself is the boss because I am an apostle. So he's kind of just setting up his authority here. And Paul not only was an apostle, he was the the first pastor of this church plant in Corinth. He was the guy that started everything. And he also says, look, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe I have the right, look at you. You're here. You're in the church. Hey, you, I remember you when you weren't even a Christian and I pray with you to receive Christ. Hey, you, I remember when I baptized you. Hey, you, I remember when I made you a leader in our church. And so he's saying, look, just the very fact that you are here is proof that I am an apostle and I am deserving of the same things that you give. Other people that work in the church. See, so Paul was asserting his rights that others questioned, Not because he's saying I'm being treated unfair and I want what's mine. He was asserting his rights because he's about to go into the teaching of why it is so important that these are his rights. But he decides not to use them. We know that Paul was a tent maker. We know that he would go places that would allow him to where if the churches weren't supporting him, he could go, he could work, he could make money, and he could support the work that God was doing through him. He was a true, by vocational preacher. But he, these things were available to him, but he chose not to take him. You see, Paul begins to defend himself against those who were criticized, his apostleship. And though the days of being an apostle are over, you know, there's nobody that can really say it. they've been an apostle because they haven't seen Jesus. Yes, we accept Jesus. He comes into our life. Now, I'm talking about people that have literally seen him. There are many people to throw the title apostle around today, but it's just not fitting according to the Bible. We are not apostles today, but we are ambassadors. If you look at Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says we are God's ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? Just like we have ambassadors that are in foreign countries that are at embassies and they represent the United States of America. We represent Christ to a lost and dying world. And though the days of the apostle are being over, and we represent Christ, will you use the knowledge that you have accumulated as a believer to help others in their understanding of Jesus? Will you take your role as an ambassador seriously? Will you use your experiences to build others up? Will you dedicate yourself to being used by God and letting Him make you be effective? Because if you do that, This will help your life. This will help the church. This will help your family. This will help your job. This will help the world. But then we move on to verses 7 through 18. This is a pretty big stretch here. Paul has the right to be supported by the church. So he has a right to be supported by the church. I'll never forget. Oh, uh, When I approach this next section of scripture, I'm always reminded of a conversation I had in a waiting room at a hospital. A church member was in the hospital and they were getting treatments and it wasn't looking good. And the family had gathered. And then one of the family members who wasn't really a part of the church, wasn't really, you know, in church at all. But they were the expert on church, it seemed, seemed like. He said, you know, and i never heard this before. He said. You know, the Bible doesn't support full-time preachers. I said, excuse me? <laughs> Say what? He said, yeah, the, the, the Bible doesn't support a, being a full-time preacher in a church paying a preacher. And I said, well, I'll have to study that and I'll have to think about that. So if he's listening today on Facebook, he knows who he is. I hope that he reads this passage that we're about to go through right now. It says in verses 7 and 8, What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? You see, he's saying in an army, the soldiers are supported in a farmer. The farmer is able to glean from what he grows to support himself and his family. A shepherd is supported by the very sheep that he cares for. So why is it so strange, Corinthian church members? that I have a right to be supported by the people that I shepherd. So he's he's building this case. He must have been part lawyer. I mean, he was very brilliant. We know that one time he was at the highest post of the Jewish council. It goes into verse 9. For the law of Moses says, You must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. So Paul, you might say, well, why is he bringing up the ox? Well, if you go back in Deuteronomy chapter 25, you see that the, it was documented that you need to treat your ox as well. For example, if you have a lawnmower and you... You cut your grass and you don't keep the oil changed in it. You don't keep the right gas in it. You let the gas stay in it over the winter. You never wash it off. You never change the belts. You never look at it. You won't even put air in the tires. It's not going to last you very long. It shows that you are neglecting that lawnmower. Well, in here he's saying, look, even the oxes that you use to plow your fields, you need to treat them well. I mean, those of you that are for animal rights... Here is Paul saying, look, is that even you need to treat those animals that are serving you and that are, fit, that are, are responsible for your well-being. You need to take care of them. And so, do you see the parallel? He's saying, look, that, that I, as a, as an apostle, I'm plowing the field. I'm out doing the work. And, and if you're going to take care of an ox, why couldn't you take care of me? Verses 11 through 14, since we have planted spiritual seeds among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have a greater right to be supported? In other words, he's saying, look, I started this church. You're supporting every Tom, Dick and Harry out here that's coming in and has a word from the Lord. But here I am, your spiritual father. Shouldn't we be able to be supported? You see, the church was supporting their workers in the church, just not Paul and Barnabas. Maybe it's because they didn't like what Paul and Barnabas were teaching. No, they wouldn't be the first church to freeze out a preacher because the preacher was preaching the Bible and the families in the church didn't like what he was saying. Unfortunately, that happens today. It's happened in places. Yeah. The church doesn't like what the preacher's saying. The church doesn't like that the preacher is preaching the Bible right out of the Bible. So they're gonna get rid of him. Well they won't you know they won't fire him, but they'll just say, Well, you know what? We're just gonna withhold our tithe. Now I'm I'm meddling now, I know. But the, I don't know about this church, but I know that there have been churches, I've talked to buddies that are other churches, is they freeze the staff out because they decide not to give. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, folks, if you ever do that to me, just tell me to leave and I'll leave because I don't want you to be responsible for keeping what is devoted to God and robbing him of it because you will be the one that will be held accountable for that. They didn't like what he was teaching. He was telling them the truth. They didn't want to hear it. So they said, we're just not going to pay. We're not going to support him. We're not going to do these things. He says here, but we never use this right. Rather, we put up. With it to make the gospel known about Christ. He says in verse 13, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way the Lord ordered to those who preach the good news should be supported who benefit from it. So we see challenges between Paul's rights and the church's responsibility. The church was responsible for supporting Paul, and Paul had the right to be supported by Paul. But to be fair, the church had an obligation. The church, of course, had an obligation to support Paul. The church must support its workers and be fair in their compensation and be in line with the needs of its community. I wouldn't expect anybody to pay any preacher in this area The same thing that a preacher on the other side of town would make and vice versa or preacher or staff or whatever. Yes, our pay scale is different because look around us, look at the makeup of us. But still, the church is obligated to do the best they can with what they got. And then the minister, the staff, the preacher, the gospel is more important than the support. If there is a pastor that is in a church because of the paycheck and only the paycheck, they need to leave because it's not about the money. It's about the gospel. And what Paul is saying here, and the reason I say all this, he's saying, look, You should be doing this, but I'm not making a big deal about it because it's not about the amount that you're paying me. It's not the things that you are giving me and the things that I have a right to do. But it's because I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And if I have to make tents, if I have to get a part time job, if I have to do whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I have to do as long as the gospel will be spread about Jesus Christ. That's where he's heading with this. Paul never demanded those rights for the sake of the gospel. Then 15 through 18, we see, yet I have never used any of these gifts. I am not writing this to suggest I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. He was saying, look, y'all are not giving this to me and I'm not getting it done. But look, I think it sounds even better that I'm preaching even though y'all aren't doing anything for me. Yet, preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. Horrible. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. When, what then is my pay? It's the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights When I preach the good news. So Paul is getting into it here. He's saying, look, I am called to preach the gospel. I am called to do it whether I get paid or not. And if I get paid, that is great. And if I don't get paid, I'm still going to share it because he has a story to tell. Let me ask you something. Are you that determined to tell the story about Jesus Christ, whether it benefits you or not? Paul wanted to be free to preach the gospel without any strings attached. That's why so many, uh, we used to have churches that we do revivals and we'd have revival speakers coming in. And I hope one day we can have some more speakers come in. But the beauty about being a revival speaker, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not one, but I know them. The beauty about being a good revival speaker is that you've got what they call sugar sticks. You've got about four or five really good sermons that you know, quote unquote, that dog will hunt. You know, I I could give you some some phrases from some of those and you would probably know who I'm talking about. But the good thing about an evangelist is he can come in and tell you whatever he thinks. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. The church is doing it and this is wrong. And then when it's over, he'll say, bye, preacher. And he's gone. And the preacher's like, yeah, he really told him. And then the preacher has to deal with all the fallout of that. But on the other hand, there are preachers, pastors in churches that are reading the scriptures and are thinking, oh, I see what that says. But if I preach that, they're not going to like me. If I preach that, that may affect my paycheck. If I preach that, how will that come back on me? Both of those. You have to be careful to both extremes. And so the church is kind of trying to. To manipulate Paul, but Paul's saying, look, whether I get paid, in whether I'm like an evangelist and y'all not pay me, it doesn't matter. You can't fire me because you're not paying me. I'm going to say this regardless. Although you have a responsibility to do it, I'm not making it a thing because it's more important for me to preach the gospel. Here's the question for you. Are you willing to use your gifts for God's glory? Are you willing to use God's gift for God's glory? Just stop. Are you willing to use your gifts for God's glory? Whether you get anything out of it or not, say, well, preacher, I'm not on staff anywhere. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm the one get. I'm the one paying your salary. I don't need, no. Are you willing to use your gifts for God's glory? You may not get a paycheck that says Homeland Park Baptist Church on it. But you get support from your friends. You get pastoral support from the staff. You get to hear beautiful music every week. And these are things that you are benefiting from. But are you willing to not only receive those things, but are you willing to use your gifts for God's glory? Then we move into 19 to 23, where Paul respects others enough to serve them where they are. Just a big disclaimer. A lot of people will take this section and say that Paul is preaching, I became all things to all men. You ever heard that thing before? You ever heard, I need to be all things to all men? Nobody? Nobody. Few people? Okay. Five of you. But, I'm just, those of you that have never heard that, that's a thing. And we're gonna read about it in a second. But, just as a disclaimer, many have taken this part of the scripture out of context to identify that they can participate in the same lifestyles and the same sins as somebody in order to minister to them. They will say, well, Jesus went to to sinners, and so I can go to sinners too. Yes, you can. Yes, you can be around sinners. You can be in those environments, but you're not partaking of that sin with them. You see, Jesus went to all these places, hung out with all these people that that were sinners, that were looked down on by the religious. But Jesus never once, never once fell on his commitment. Never once did he sin. And Paul, in the same way, is saying the same thing here. He says in verse 19, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all the people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I lived under that too, even though I am not subject to it. I did this so I could bring Christ to those who are under the law. When I am with Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God I obey the law of Christ. Now, that is very wordy way. Let me just give you a plain illustration of that. Paul was Jewish. He knew the Jewish dietary laws that many of the Jews in those days and some still today observe. There are some things that are what they called kosher that you can eat. And there are some things like one of them being pork that you should not eat if you are of Jewish descent. So, Paul is saying here, look, if I've got a brother that's a, a, of Jewish descent, and, and he he represents these laws, I'm not going to ask him to go eat barbecue with me. You got that? I'm not going to ask him to do something that would make him uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that I'm going to jump in and do something, you know, that, that is wrong, that is sinful. But he's just saying, look, if I know that this person has got a problem with... Eating pork, I'm not going to ask him to a barbecue. However, if this brother or this sister here does not have a problem with that, let's go eat some barbecue. He was saying, look, it's not about my rights of what I can or can't do. It's about I am going to do whatever I am. So with with if I come to you and, and if I am talking to you, I may... Meet some of you in one place that I wouldn't meet other people in other places. It's not because I'm trying to be wishy-washy. It's just because I'm trying to meet people where they are. And that's what Paul was doing, trying to meet people where they are. You never want to burn a bridge if you want to tell somebody about Jesus. And so Paul goes on to say, When I am with those who are weak... I share their weakness. And remember, weak is not talking about self-control. We know for last week that weakness was talking about those people who did not understand the freedoms that come in Christ. Remember, he's talking about the people that thought it was wrong to eat sacrificed meat. When I'm with those who are weak, I share the weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, here it is. I try to find common ground with everyone. Do everything I can to save some, and I do everything to spread the good news and share its blessings. Paul did not want to burn bridges to the gospel. So in non-essential matters, things that are not dealing with Scripture itself, in non-essential preferences, religious traditions, Paul was willing to adopt the ways of either Jews or Gentiles so he might gain a hearing among them for the sake of the gospel. Paul never changed his beliefs or doctrines to accommodate someone's preferences. Folks, Jesus is the only way to salvation. Anyone who comes to Him must confess of their sins, re- confess their sins, repent of their sins, and live for Him. That is a non-negotiable. But whether you are talking to this person that has got all of this deep religious tradition. They they may have been in a very formal type of upbringing, or maybe somebody that's never even been into the doors of a church. You adapt the way you communicate it, but the 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 concepts are still the same. So if Paul was going to offend somebody, he wasn't afraid to offend people. You see that because he's been locked up in the jail for. Sharing the gospel. Paul was not going to offend someone. If he was, it was going to be over the gospel, not his approach. He didn't want someone to shut him down because he came up to a Jewish person with a turkey leg in his hand. You see what I'm saying? We, we don't, if there are things that offend people, he says he chooses not to do it. I choose not to make the fact that you're not supporting me like the others. I choose to not make that an issue so that I can preach the gospel. And then last but not least, in our last section, verses 24 through 27, you've probably heard this as well. There is a direct correlation between our freedoms and our discipline there is a direct correlation between our freedoms and disciplines i don't know if you know this but paul was a huge sports fan he would have had the foam finger he would have had the uh he might have been the guy with the wig in the john 316 if you remember that guy back in the day uh he would have had the jerseys he he would have he would have loved a good sporting event because that's really the the culture that he was in that was the pinnacle of entertainment that's what everybody talked about and so We see that sporting events were big in Paul's days as well as our own. This was especially meaningful to the Corinthians because their city was the center for something called the Isthmian Games. Isthmian Games, which was second only to the Olympics. And so Paul often used figures from... Those kind of competitions. At least 12 different references in all of Paul's letters, he references some type of sports event. So, so those of you that are sports fans, Paul's your guy. Okay? And so he uses a sports analogy here. He says in verse 24, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. Shadow boxing was a technique where they would actually box and and they would do the counter moves to their shadows. So it would be like they're boxing themselves and that's just a form of training that they would use. He says, like in verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, trained to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that preaching to others, myself, might be disqualified. The Christian life involves both freedoms and discipline. Paul never allowed these non-essential issues that the church was fighting over. He never let them like the eating of sacrificed meat or not being supported by the church, he never let them affect his number one goal of glorifying God and telling people about Jesus. Paul was all in. His eyes were on the prize. You see, in the race of the Christian life, Paul wasn't content to receive the participation ribbon. Or the participation trophy. I remember years ago when I was a pudgy little kid in in kindergarten. They'd have field day. Y'all remember field day? Oh yeah. And there were some people. that they would have these big long. The, the ones that got first place, they had these big long ribbons, looked like the big hall monitor ribbons. And they would put those things on. They'd bow the chest out and they'd wear it for a week. You know, me, I get this little thing and said, Hey, you ran the race. Congratulations. I might have got a certificate that the teacher wrote on a piece of construction paper. But hey, everybody got something, right? But the finish line, don't spend all of your efforts chasing a crown that is perishable. Our goal is eternity, and you should long to hear Jesus say to you what he says in Matthew 25, 23, Well done, my good and faithful servant. When it says that I hope at the end of the day that I will not be disqualified, there are some that say that this means that you can lose your salvation. That is not in context what this is saying. When he says that I myself might not be disqualified, it would be almost like if you are the referee of a um, a football game. And then it comes out later that people find out that in all your calls was against one team and not the other. Because you had stocks or you had bets or you had whatever on that team. You would be disqualified from being a referee. You, you would be disgraced. And so what he's saying here is that I'm not going to jump into the camp of all those that say you can't eat sacrificed meat and offend those that, say, that think you can. I'm not going to offend those that think you ought to be getting paid when those are others that are saying you shouldn't get paid, I'm not going to get in any of those things. I'm not going to jump into the hashtags. I'm not going to jump into the culture wars. I am just going to do what I have to do to make Jesus known and to tell the gospel story. Don't disqualify yourself by quitting the race, by running in the wrong direction, or running after the wrong things. We are all... In this race, for example, if I were to decide today, I'm not going to, but if I were to decide that I'm going to run a marathon, I would not just go out and buy some shorts and a bottle of water and say, I'm ready to go. I can't imagine this body running that long. That would be like. (laughs) That would be like putting a semi truck on a Volkswagen frame. That would be bad. But if I decided to do that, it would mean training, it would mean diet, it would mean losing weight, it would mean saying yes to things when it comes to training and saying no to social things. So many of these athletes that we respect and they have... They have contracts today, they have sponsors, they have tennis shoes, they have sports drinks, they have all these different things, and they have all of this fame because they've got all these amazing records. It's because at some point in their life, when everybody else was going off and having fun and eating whatever they wanted to do, they stayed and practiced. They stayed with their diet. They stayed, They disciplined themselves so they could be at the top of their game. My friends, what I'm asking you and what Paul is asking you and I today is, will you discipline yourself and not get sidetracked in ancillary outside things that are divisive? And will you stay laser focused on in your life? For you and your family and your, and your environment and this world. Look, if you want to go and, and meet the, the older men that meet at the fast food restaurants every morning, they eat their biscuit and they solve the world's problems and come back the next day just to do it again. And nothing ever changes. We consider around. How bad things are. We can say how unfair politics is. We can talk about the fact that we're not represented. we're not doing this, we're not doing that. But if we are not sharing the gospel, if we are not telling people about Jesus, we have the answer. Only Jesus can change these things. And so if we are not willing to do that, we need to just shut up and ride with it. Because Jesus is going to change this world. Not whether you decide this is the right hashtag or this is the right hashtag. This is the right culture. This is the wrong culture. If you want to get into all that minutia of what's right and wrong, you can be just like the church of Corinth. But if you want to keep the main thing, the main thing, it's about sharing Jesus with people. No matter where they are. No matter what gender they attribute themselves to no matter what place that they are in if you have a bridge to share the gospel it is your duty it is your passion it is your privilege to share Jesus with them so don't get caught up in all the things that would build that would burn a bridge and keep you from being able to do that that is what paul is saying here in conclusion Use your freedoms to serve others. Paul's example teaches us that we are free in Christ, but that we should use our freedoms to serve others, not make ourselves look spiritual. We should not use our freedom to sin, but to do good. We should be willing to limit our freedom in order to reach others with the gospel. Paul's words about running the race of life with a purpose or an encouragement for you and I to stay focused on the ultimate goal of sharing the gospel with others. And our freedom that we have in Christ is a precious gift. The freedom that we have in Christ, we should use it wisely to serve others and spread the good news. So I don't know where you are in your devotions today as far as if you are devoted to Christ or if you're devoted to your political party. I don't know. But I'll go ahead and tell you what, at the end of the day, the political party is going to rust, break, and fade away. And it's not going to make one iota of a difference on what news channel you listen to, what computer platform you use. All these different things that segment us, it's not going to matter. It's going to be, what did you do with Jesus? And that's what Paul is reminding us today. to Stay laser focused, not on the side things but on the main thing. So next time, instead of reading your Twitter feed or your news feed or your Facebook feed, read God's feed. (laughs) It'll never, ever, ever lead you astray. And it will give you perspective on looking at all the other things too. Let's pray. God, right now, our invitation is just simply this, Lord. There may be somebody here today that wants to rededicate their lives to you because they have let other things come in and distract them from the main thing of making you known to others, of sharing the gospel. Maybe God has put a burden on their hearts to talk to somebody, but they're just afraid to do it. They say they don't know what to say. They say that they might get rejected. God, if you're leading them to share you with somebody, you've gone ahead of them and started preparing that person. Maybe someone just wants to come to this altar and pray today. Maybe someone wants to join this church or be baptized. Whatever the decision is, may you be Glorify, Lord, for it's in your name we pray. Amen.